Hey guys, welcome to the second episode of the Canon Cast. I'm Ahit Gamaj and I'm joined by John Christopher, my co-host. John, how are you, man? I'm good, man. How are you good? I'm excellent. And uh, this weekend up in Canada was actually uh, Thanksgiving weekend. And the main oh. thing I'm thankful for is uh, that victory yesterday over Fulham, which was yep. unbelievable. Just... Yeah, it was really good. It was really nice to see some really good open attacking play, you know? Yeah, it was, it was really fun to watch. And it sort of gave us... Uh, Sort of a little throwback to the Wenger era, especially with a couple goals in the second half. Beautiful, beautiful yep. football just on display out at Craven Cottage. But uh, we went out with the starting lineup, which was a bit unorthodox, especially in the front four, which was uh, yep. it was Baron Leno in net since Czech was injured, Hector Bellerin, Monreal starting on the at fullback as usual. Socrates picked up a little injury, and it was Mustafi and Holding starting in central defense. Torreira Xhaka continued their partnership in central midfield. Iwobi got a deserved start. Welbeck came in, Mkhitaryan came in, and Lacazette continued his great form up front. I think it was a bit surprising to see Ramsey and Aubameyang on the bench and Ozil miss out completely, and I think a lot of people were worried that perhaps we wouldn't play up to standards without those guys, but they proved us wrong. Yep, um, I too was you know, a little surprised by the news came out from the club that... Um as it suffered from a back spam, I think it was, and you know, it just you know happens. You know, we can't say that you know he hasn't been there for away trips. You know, he was there against Cardiff, he was there against Newcastle, he's mm-hmm. going against Newcastle. So, you know, the injury that's I don't mean he doesn't have international duty anymore for reasons everybody knows, mm-hmm. and you know he'll have this two weeks to recover, so that's no problem. Um, I was surprised by the lineup. I thought Obama would have returned one time. He probably, for all we know, he was missing a midweek due to illness. And he probably just, you know, returned a little later than expected. And he was fit enough, but they just didn't want to risk him from the get go. Um, I thought Welbeck was really good. Um, I was glad to see Mkhitaryan finally got another start. Um, I was hoping that it would have been from the right, um, but you know, he played through the middle. And, you know, everybody was crying if I will be for a while now to get a start. And it was really good to see him playing out there full of confidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was he was excellent again. That's about the third, fourth straight game that Iwobi's uh, played a part in and been amazing. It's really, really refreshing to see. I think we, we touched on this in the first podcast, but he's just been great. And I'm really, really pleased for him. Yeah, um, I think, you know, when we watch the lineup, you know, the uh, even at the beginning of the game when the TV streamers and whatnot they showed the, the lineup they showed that it was four to three one, but we quickly realized when you know we actually went into the game that it was actually much more of a four four two. Yeah. Where, um, while we played on top with Lacazette, and it was you know we were talking about this last week about you know like how tactically flexible is Unai Emery really, and it was good to see that you know midweek he played three at the back, and now you know we can he tried another formation in the four four two. And I think it really did pay dividends for our strike partners, especially, you know. Yeah, it's a uh, it's something that a lot of people have been calling out for since we signed Aubameyang in January. You know, having the two up front and playing a four in midfield, but uh, a lot of teams don't use that formation anymore, and uh, it's it's a little more difficult to be successful with that because you need really, really strong fullbacks and stuff like that. But uh, I think in the long run, we may be able to use that. I think we'll need a bit more spending maybe next summer, but I, I don't really... I wouldn't take it out of the question, especially since we did play it in a, in a game against Fulham, which, which, you know, every Premier League game is a big game, so... Yep, yeah. 
mean, it should not be disregarded that coming into this game, Fulham had the joint most goals conceded in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I think Unai obviously would know these things and he would have known that he could have gone out here, experimented a little more. And even if it wasn't working to 100% success rate, you know, that we would have been able to get a couple of goals. Yeah, so going into the goals, Lacazette in the 29th minute, great finish. It was it was good work from Iwobi to really start the goal, dish it off to Monreal, who centered it, and then Lacazette's first touch was fantastic. He had his back to goal, swivels on his on his left foot and just fires into the into the short side corner, which was I, I expected him to try and go far side, but it was a great finish. That's why he's he's playing striker and I'm sitting here recording podcast. But uh, again, he continues his great form. Yeah, I agree. And you know, I don't know if you can remember, but last year when we actually beat Everton five two, um, we were nil nil at the game at that point, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Ramsey cut back the ball for Lacazette, and he tried to do the same swivel thing, and just hit it straight at the keeper. Mm-hmm. And you know, I guess it's like a little side of his progression that you know a year later he actually is a lot more aware of where the keeper is a lot more aware of where the defender is marking yeah. him to create enough space mm-hmm. and, that. and i mean it was just a fantastic goal one of his two fantastic goals you know the second one he we he was in the correct position again played off of another striker and as soon as the ball bounced to him and as soon as he sized up to hit it you know you know that it's definitely on target and yeah. he got another goal yeah, when the ball bounces up like that, you sort of have to hit it because it set up so nicely for him. And yeah. it, it was a great strike, too, right in the corner. And uh, sandwiched between his two goals was Andre Shirla equalizing just before halftime. And um, we kept giving the ball away around that time, right after Lacazette's first goal, leading yeah. up to Shirla's second, or Shirla's first. And it was really, really frustrating that we just kept sort of handing them the ball in midfield. And then eventually it did lead to a goal, I believe, it was Monreal who could have just booted it down the field in the air, but he went through the ground, through the middle of the pitch, and it went straight to to the Fulham player, and it just ended up in a pretty easy goal for Sherla. But again, we go into halftime not winning for... We still haven't been leading at halftime in any Premier League yep. game yet. Yet, we go out in the second half, and we just crush them. Yeah, I know... You know, I think with the four four two formation, the problem is is that there are only two bodies in midfield, and as much as you know, Granit Xhaka and Torreira are looking like a very promising double pivot. You know, we can't. A lot of times, I guess against Fulham because they played the three four three, it was basically two against two. But I guess other teams, you know, it would be like three midfielders against the two of them, and it that wouldn't be wise all the time to be playing this formation. But um, I think when we look at the, you know the error from Montreal, and I'm not singling him out because of just this error, but I think when you watch his progression over the season, and uh, you know he's just catching up to him a little bit, um, he's still really good going forward. But you can see he's lacking the legs a little bit when it comes to defending. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see that you know some attackers are really getting on the other side of him. Um, even though it did not come out too much, I thought. Um, Luciano Vieto really got on the other side of Montreal a lot in the game, mm-hmm. especially in the first half. You know, I guess the second half when we scored the second one, it was kind of one-way traffic. But in the first half, I thought Vieto really had him. You know, spinning a good bit, and I personally had really high hopes for Kalasnak. Um, but I think I'm slowly realizing that he really might not be a left back made for the Premier League. 
Yeah, he he's sort of stagnated a bit. He's he's again similar to Montreal where he's great going forward, but Kolasinac is a bit big and he's kind of you know I, I, like I know he's a very very fit guy, but you know he's 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 very large and it's it's really. I think he struggled a bit to keep up with some of the Premier League right wingers throughout his time um, at Arsenal. Yeah, and it's you know it's ironic that you know he's built like the centre, but he's built mm-hmm. like a phenomenal defender. Mm-hmm. And I, if I remember right, you know his twists, you know tagline that was when he was coming with Arsenal was that you know he was a fullback that actually enjoys defending. Mm-hmm. And you know that's something that I was really happy for you know, because you know nearly all fullbacks these days are a lot more attack minded, and you know. He seems like he can't handle playing the fullback role. He could handle it to some extent playing the wingback role. Um, but the thing is, is that I don't see us playing the three at the back very often. Mm-hmm. And it really would be interesting within the next two markets what we do. Because even if he stays as a backup, you know, we have Montreal who's in his 30s. Uh, we don't know how long again we'll keep him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, I think a new left back is going to be a must for us next summer. I believe Una Emery tried to sign one this summer, but it didn't really work out. And I think yeah. that's a real position of uh, where we need to improve. I know a lot of people talk about center back and, and a lot of people talk about winger, but I believe left back is just as much of a need because if you look at teams like Man City, Liverpool, um, that position is becoming very, very important. Yep. I mean, when you look at Man City, especially, or actually both of them, you know, their left-backs are so, so integral in the way they play on the whole. You know, Benjamin Mendy mm-hmm. and Robert Son are just phenomenal in their explosiveness and their ability to get forward. Mm-hmm. And they're really quick, too, so they get back really fast. And that's when Montreal lacks a little bit. You know, he really doesn't have those legs anymore, which is expected of a player his age. Mm-hmm. And... Because of that, you know, there's a little overload on that side. And because Granit Xhaka plays on the left, it kind of draws him out of position yeah. a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, as you touched on, you need that side of the back, you know, we can just support that one time. Um, I actually thought Mustafi was pretty good. Um, he had one or two of his usual Mustafi moments. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I think he, del- he dealt with Mitrovic pretty well. Um, I think Rob Holland was, again, fantastic. Uh, I think he really is. You know, we talk about Onai Emery's impression on Alexei Ubi, but I think his impression on Rob Holden as well mm-hmm. has done the world of wonder. You know, again, we talk about what confidence does to players. You know, he's playing like a defender who's dominant. He's playing like a defender who's confident that every pass he makes off in the back is going to yeah. work. He's confident that, you know, he has a composure on the ball that nobody could press him. And, you know, it's really nice to see this from the young English, English one. Yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased with how often Holding has been playing, especially these last few games. And I really do hope that um, he starts to start over Mustafi now. Like, moving forward, you know, I don't mind if Mustafi yeah. starts over. Then I know we can't really do much better. But if we, you know, move Socrates back to the right side, move Holding to the left side where he's more comfortable... I don't see why we can't move with that pairing forward. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. And just on the last place, person in defense we didn't touch on yet, you know, I think Bellerin has steadily been really good this season. Um, more often, I just have to play without a partner. Um, but, you know, when we really saw that the 4-4-2 is what we were playing, Mkhitaryan was ostensibly playing on the right. 
and you know he's got a lot of help out there a lot of the times from Mkhitaryan somebody to play off of um, he was instrumental in the Ramsey goal mm-hmm. when he back flick in the right past the half line yeah. um, he got an assist for Aubameyang's first and I think you know he's been steadily performing well yeah. um, he's a player who a lot of people Cough, cough, Arsenal fan TV don't like to praise, yeah. but um, <laughs> I think he has been really good so far this season. He's been underappreciated to some extent because of the workload he has to do sometimes, mm-hmm. but he's been pretty good. Yeah, I uh, I really like Hector, and, and he's one of my favorite players easily, and it's, it's been really pleasing again. The last few games, he's been very, very good, and I I really, really want him to play well since, he, you know, as you mentioned, he does get a lot of abuse from fans i think his off the field work makes a pe- makes people a little bit, bit insecure yeah. especially older arsenal fans who aren't used to you know yep. the fashion side of players and and you know the hairstyles and stuff like that but uh, yep. he really is a, a model professional who plays a lot of games for us plays a lot of hard minutes for us and uh, it's very difficult for me to criticize him in any way really seeing as yeah. how much he does for us and how, how influential he is to to the way we play and i mean i know a lot of people don't like it that you know he speaks off field but you know i personally like really like that you know he speaks mm-hmm. out about humanitarianism he speaks out about not just fashion but like things that actually concern people and you know it's great yeah. to know that a lot of times these people get voices because they are perfect modern professionals they mm-hmm. are famous so they be good in their field and they just use the position just to be there but they have a voice and the fact that you know that he speaks out on things that concern the everyday person you know i i, I find that phenomenal and I, and I love that i really love that about him yeah me too i i really enjoy it. he you know he speaks about you know in environment the environment you know oceans everything like 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 sexism and all that stuff just literally any topic yeah. he's he's on that and uh and i really like that from him. he's a young guy too which is even even better he's 23 i believe 22 so yeah. So going back to that Ramsey goal that Bellerin played a big part in, I I was literally left speechless after this went in because yeah. after that little trickery in in our own half with where Ramsey chipped the ball you know over the defender to Lacazette, and then Bellerin's back heel as you mentioned back to Ramsey, I was like mm, this is just gonna end in nothing because there's no way we could score a goal like this. And then Mkhitaryan's ball when he played it through first time, I was like this is going out. But then I forgot who's on the left wing, Mr. Speedy Obama over there, who gets to it, and then Ramsey's back heel when it went in. I was, I literally, I normally for Arsenal goals I go nuts, but for that one I literally just stood up and my jaw was like dropped and I didn't say anything. Like yeah, I couldn't believe it. Was, it was, it was really something else, no. And again, I really think that in that entire move, now obviously every part is important, but I really think that Bellerin flick was so key because I think his body shape at the time it looked like if he's gonna take it to travel forward and then he caught the defenders who were marking him so off guard and everybody was kind of drifting to his side so when he flicked it back for Ramsey when people watch back the goal they realized Ramsey was in acres of space for the fact that he could have had her twice to before he reached the Mkhitaryan and I mean the entire goal was beautiful um, it was timed at 38 seconds um, we look at the goal that the Europa League team um Sorry, the Europa League team, the, the Brentford side scored um, a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. where we started it off from like, know, in the back and ended off with Welbeck finishing the second for that yeah. game. 
And this was the first time that we saw the first team actually play out literally from our own box and mm-hmm. score a goal. Yeah. And it was really nice to see. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot here real quick, MG. Um, this or Wilshere's Norwich goal? Ooh, uh, Jack Wilshere's goal, I think, is going... I, I would definitely pick that still. I know yeah. this one was more of a... As in, it, we started it from our own half, which was incredible. Like, literally from our own right, right back position at the edge of our box. But that Wilshire one was a lot quicker, a lot more precise. And I think that one's just a tiny bit better. I really, I that one literally I watch like once a week still, <laughs> even though it's been five yeah. years. It's literally unbelievable. And this one, I'm sure, is going to be up there for me as well. But it's yeah, difficult, I, it's difficult to pick, yeah. I told, I actually agree with you. Know, the only reason I asked is, you know, I just saw it on the Twitter. Yeah. I saw people debating it, but I think, like, you know, the Wilshire goal was just so much slicker. It was mm-hmm. so much, it was cleaner in so much aspects in terms of the touches and the movement yeah. and the actual one time quick um, passes between Giroud, Santi, and Wilshire. Um, mm-hmm. And that is not by any means to take away anything from this, from this goal, but it's just, you know, the team. That, that, that goal was just phenomenal, you know. I, mm-hmm. I I find nearly any other passing goal to match that. Mm-hmm. Any any goal. Yeah. So moving on past Ramsey's goal again, Aubameyang came on and just tore it up. 79th minute, he took the ball, which was very similar to Lacazette's first goal. Actually, he received the ball from Bellerin back to goal, swivels, fires far corner, and I think that's a big goal for him. You know, he's. Mm, he's been struggling a bit lately, especially being pushed out to the wing. And then for him to get this brace today, he scored again in the 91st minute with a great finish after yeah. a gorgeous pass from Ramsey, a little flick through wall. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think this is big for his confidence along with Lacazette's confidence. The fact that they both got braces is really, really big for us, I think. Yeah. Um. To be quite honest with you, when um, all these substitutions were made, I have no idea what formation we were really playing mm-hmm. um i think it was supposed to be like if lacazette was still playing at least as a forward um but then when we brought on Gwen doozy i think it was more well obviously you pay at the center forward and i think ramsey was almost playing a kind of free mm-hmm. left wing role yeah I, I, I'm not, you know, when I was watching the game, it was about six in the morning, so I didn't really have the brain capacity to analyze it too much. I was sort of just sitting back half asleep enjoying it, but uh, I, I, I want to rewatch the game just to sort of take a look at all that stuff, but I, I'm not quite sure, but you know, whatever it was, it worked because Ramsey came on with a goal and an assist. Aubameyang came on two goals and an assist. First time in Premier League history that two substitutes have come on and got a goal and an assist, which I thought was an incredible yeah. statistic. I, w- I would have thought that had happened before. But, um, yeah, yeah, Una, Una Emery's substitutions have been very, very, very very good throughout, like, all our games, which has been a surprise because last year at PSG, his substitutions were a bit off, especially in the big Champions League games against Real Madrid. Yeah. His yeah. changes sort of ruined their chances, and that's what I was a bit skeptical, skeptical about before he... He joined the club, you know, but uh, he he's really proven me wrong with these substitutions, which have worked really, really well. 
Yeah, and I think like you know when we look at the PSG job, you know there was so much pressure on him to do certain things. You mm-hmm. know, uh, let me just say for example, a player like Neymar was a player. Well, that doesn't mean that he was given the full authority to take him off if he felt like that would have better the team, because you know there was so much of a political warfare in the background for him that it was tough for him to have full control of his job. You know, um, I think here he has a lot more freedom in terms of how he goes about his team selection and uh, i think that even though we are not at the level of psg we have a lot of players that are around the si- a similar level where there, sh- there isn't really no outright favorite for everything um mm-hmm. the option to rotate a lot is there um i think his substitutions nearly every game this season has been fantastic um you know we look at the fact that again that you know he brought on two players to get goals and assists and it's I think Pierre would have even would have done even better, you know, if he if he had started, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I think he could have very well played that well back role of being the much more whole um the taller striker, I guess I should say. Because, you know, you know, when we look at Welbeck's assists for Lacazette goal, you know, you can totally see why we are doing that as well. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Um somebody that we haven't talked much about yet is Alex Uwobi. Mm-hmm. Um he is the nutmeg king. Just at this time. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's two nutmegs for this game. Um, two in the last game. You know, he's really out there looking for skill points. Mm-hmm. He's really, it's, it's really wonders what, you know, confidence does to him. You know, there's the little Jeff Quinn around from the Europa League game last week. Thursday, yeah. Where, that was unbelievable. You know, it's right outside the opposition's box. Mm-hmm. And he kind of bumps to him and he shivers fast one, shakes fast the next one. And then, when the next guy comes rushing in behind him, he just flicks it through his leg. I you know it's, it's <laughs> really, it's really great you know, to see that you know he's playing yeah. with this kind of confidence. You know he not make another one of the opposition defenders in their own box. Not make Andre Schuler. Um mm. and you know everything I was saying this is that he's going at players not just for the nutmegs, but he's going at players with the confidence that I am going to get past you. Yeah, and I am going to get a pass off I'm going to get a shot off mm-hmm. and he's playing with the kind of confidence we need him to be playing at right yeah. now no? he he looks like the player that we saw in his first few months when he broke into the first team around January I believe of 2015-16 season and back then he was doing the tricks that we're talking about now you know he was taking players on and, and pulling off great skill and then that sort of went away for a couple of years in those last two years under Wenger we didn't see that as much and he sort of dropped to the to a sort of rotational role where when um when he first came in it looked like he could be a first team player right off the bat and it's nice to see him sort of rejuvenated and uh it's it's good for him because he's still quite young and for him to get this sort of confidence at a young age I think it's very very good for him that his stagnation sort of over the last couple of years only lasted a couple of years rather than you know extensive time where he wouldn't be yeah. able to get back to his best but now I think he is getting back. Yeah, and I think you know it's really telling that we are singing his praises in this game where he did not get uh, a, a major play in this game and he says that he did not get a goal or assist because you know his last four performances were all covered by at least one goal or an assist mm-hmm. so i think it speaks to the level at which he's played right now that we are talking so highly of a ostensibly a winger who did not get some sort of substantial contribution mm-hmm. but still had a phenomenal game yeah i really really agree so john um, 
Yeah. I, I'm gonna ask you. You know, we we're sitting in fourth right now in the Premier League. We're only two points behind the lead, which is Chelsea, City, and Liverpool all tied with 20 points. We're on 18. We're the second highest scoring team in the league, which is unbelievable, really. So, I I don't want to ask this too early, but do you think that we can actually get top four here, where a lot of people expected us to not even be close? Um, yeah, I do actually expect us to get top four. No, I think that was always going to be the... Uh, the minimum requirement of Unai this season was to get the top four. Um, when you look at the top four from last season, you know, we look at Manchester United and we look at Spurs and we see that neither of them are really playing at their full potential. And I think they found out, I don't even think that we are hitting our full potential, you know I mean? We look at Socrates didn't play today, um, yesterday, sorry, Ozil didn't play yet. Um, we are still yet to try out our formation with Ozil playing at the 10. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we still have so much further we could go, you know. And I think, you know, when we look at, again, look at Spurs, you know, they haven't made any signings. They are kind of stagnated at this point, you know. Yeah. We look at their last couple of results, you know, there were a, a lot of wonderers in there. And look at how Manchester United are performing. Mm-hmm. And I think we should be there. It, it, I don't, we may not have started off this season as the fourth best team but mm-hmm. I do think at the moment we definitely are in the argument for being up there yeah. and you know there has also been you know little talks about you know well you know if we only had two points off the top then we definitely should be in the title race and mm-hmm. without outright answering the question at this moment mm-hmm. I just want to draw your attention to I believe it was Mesut Ozil's first year with us um, yeah we spent more time on top of the Premier League than any other team that year. Yeah. Uh, we did that with only beating Liverpool once. Uh, we did not beat City. We did not beat Chelsea. Uh, mm-hmm. I think we might have beat Spurs that year, but we didn't beat Man United. And we got thrashed by Liverpool. We actually got thrashed by City yeah, that, that season too. Yeah. And my point in saying this is that how did we do that was that we were consistent against the teams we were expected to be yeah we had a really good record that year from the teams that were seven and below mm-hmm. they were majority wins you know a couple of draws in there a couple of losses but we had a really good record against them and i'm not saying that we're gonna win the title but yeah. what we need to do is make sure that we consistently beat the teams we expected yeah. to beat yeah, and however we end up at the end of that is where we end up. Yeah, I really, but, I really like that you brought that up because uh, a lot of people forget that you know, beating Manchester City and beating Cardiff City, each of those will give you three points, right? It's not as if beating a top team is gonna yep. is gonna bump you up even further. It's all worth the same, and a lot of people forget that. Of course, it's nice to beat your your closer rivals, but again, drawing to them not the end of the world. A loss, you know. It's also tough, but you know it's it's the same as losing to to Cardiff or Newcastle or anything. But we've done a great job against these smaller teams so far this season. We've yep. given up a lot a lot of chances to them, to be fair. But we've found a way to win every game, and that's really what matters, you know. And you know, people say that our attack isn't clicking, and I do agree that we're not clicking to our full potential. But what should be noted is that we are the second highest scoring team in the Premier League at the moment. Mm-hmm. Only two goals off of Man City. Yeah. I mean, so if we're not clicking at the moment, imagine what us clicking at the moment would really be. Yeah. I mean, and us not clicking at the moment is still better than 
Yeah, and especially with guys like Aubameyang and Lacazette, we still haven't again found a way to put them in the same eleven. And if if we do figure that out, we can really really kill teams off in this league. Yeah, yeah, totally agree with you. Um, but yeah, I I agree that you know top four should really be the minimum requirement. I do think Unai Emery is much. Well, I think he's. I think he's capable of it. Um, you could see with his selections against the Europa League teams that, you know, partially because he's won it three times that you know it has. It will always have a special place in his heart. Um, so you know he puts out a strong lineup because he has some respect for the tournament. Um, he also, you can see that. He knows that as a way for us to get in Champions League because he knows he could win it. You know, he puts a lot of effort there. But I do think that we should get top four even if we are trying to win the Europa League. Like, I I feel like there's a sense of finishing fifth or sixth or, God forbid, mm-hmm. worse <laughs> and winning the Europa League. And it feels like if, are you even really good enough to be there? Because there is actually yeah. a big difference in quality between the teams in the Europa League and the teams in the Champions League, yeah, especially true. right now. I mean, we look at the Champions League groups, you see there are a lot of quotes, of course, groups of death right now. You know, there's Liverpool, Napoli, and PSG share group. Yeah. There's Man United, Juventus, and Valencia share group, you know. Mm-hmm. These, these are not easy teams. And then, you know, we chopped on the Europa League and with all due respect to them, you know, we go away from home to Carabao and we run away 3 nil winners. Yeah. I I really want us to get back into the Champions League as soon as possible. I think next season we have to be. And yep. if we don't get back in for next season, I think Unai Emery has, has to get it at least within the next couple of years or he's going to be out of this job because this is really, really what we need for our financial side. We can't afford, you know, three, four straight years in Europa League, like at like whatsoever, with the way the club is run, and how much money we want to spend to keep up with our rivals. We have to be getting Champions League. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. No, I think it's such a financial aspect of it. Um, there is a certain alert that a club in the Champions League will always have over the clubs in Europa League. Mm-hmm. Uh, we already touched on the fact that you know there are areas on the pitch that we need improvement. You know, we need an out and out winger. We need. A left back eventually, you know, there's nobody really coming out of the academy. Like, there's Reese Nelson, who's a winger, that could be the answer to our issue. Yeah. But there's nobody that really is being sounded out of the academy to be a solution at left back. So, we would yeah. have to go into the market. Yeah. And as we saw with Manchester United by and Abdi Godala this summer, the, regardless of where they're coming from, they're not going to be cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't just want some random player that we just hope has potential. You know, we want established yeah. players in these positions. Yeah, you know, sure. we talk about how Socrates is thirty. We don't know how long again he'll be playing this good. Um, Kachel is leaving at the end of the season. Um, I think Callum at his time at Fulham ensured that he may not be. Um, yeah, the quality to play at Arsenal. So yeah. you know, these are positions that we're gonna have to go back in the market for, and uh, we don't want to be scraping the bottom of the barrel for these players. We want a certain standard that we think that Arsenal should be playing at. Mm-hmm. So we want the standard of players at the club, and there's a little aspect of it, and there's the financial aspect of it. You know, we look at how bad our funding was this year, man. Yeah, I mean. 70 million for a club of our stature yeah. supposed to be the third biggest club in England and we are spending 70 million that's mm. that's really poor that's mm-hmm. that's horrible yeah it was you frustrating 
in the summer, especially when when all our arrivals are going out and signing big players. Like you know, Mares cost just as much as our entire transfer budget. So did uh, Allison and Kepa. So you know, I so wish you know, like two years ago we went and got Mares. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know he missed a penalty this weekend, and it's you know, <laughs> it really isn't that good right now. But I mean, oh my word, man! I mean. Last season for Leicester, he hit double figures for a side that was outside of the top six. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is huge. Yeah. And, I mean, he's. I do understand that City has this little to them, right? But, mm-hmm. I mean, you're not guaranteed game time. You are li- literally guaranteed to play every game for Arsenal. Mm-hmm. I just really wish we were at and got him, you know? Yeah, we were but, very close, him and Vardy, in, in those couple summers again. And I think 2016, 2017... We went after them, but didn't get our hands on either. But, um, you know, just back to the financial aspect of it, you know, me and you were talking before the pod, uh, without us running too long, you know, the, there were more news coming out today about the Adidas deal. Um, yeah. uh, the alleged figures that are going about is that we are going to receive 60 million euros per annum funding from um, Adidas, you know, that's double what we are getting currently from Puma and I think it's either just on level or just above what Chelsea are getting from Nike at the mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. Um I read somewhere that it is currently sounded out as the third highest deal for for kid sponsors and you know that would help a lot, you know. Yeah. Obviously just not just any transfers, you know, but um I personally prefer Adidas kids. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> I think it'll, yeah, it will help us a lot, especially in the financial aspect of it. Man, those Puma kits the last couple of years have just been completely dead, hey? Yeah. I have not enjoyed them. Yeah? Hmm? I followed Puma training kits. Oh, really nice. Yeah. Compared to the, the actual kits, you know? I mean, we look yeah. at all the training kits that the club uses <laughs> over the last yeah. four years. No, you're right. I mean, they are so nice and then they give us these things to go out on the field with and I'm like you know what's the comparison <laughs> like who is the guy making the final yeah. decision which one should everybody see and yeah. which one only the clubs see <laughs> alright John Manuel it was great talking to you again can't wait to do this again yeah, next man. week yeah man alright guys so we are the Canon cast you can find us on iTunes on Spreaker we're working on getting this on Spotify and uh, other streaming platforms, but for now you can enjoy us on iTunes. So you can guys can you guys can follow us on Twitter, and really we're just we're just here to talk about Arsenal. So on Twitter, if you're an Arsenal fan, go ahead and follow that. It's at the Cannon Cast. And uh, for John Christopher, I'm Mahith Gamash. Thank you guys so much for listening.